This week on the Exports Podcast, we remember Joey Moss. The Arizona Coyotes renounced their rights to fourth round draft pick Mitchell Miller. We recap the World Series. I'm Ethan Beduza. And I'm Ryan Mackney. And you're listening to Exports. And we begin this week with, uh, well, what else can we start with? Um, Long-time Edmonton Oilers locker room attendee Joey Moss passes away. Um, yeah, like... He was my shout-out, like, what, three weeks ago? Two weeks ago? Yeah. On his birthday. We recorded on his birthday. Just awful news for the city of Edmonton and for, for, for Oilers fans and... Um, that guy's the greatest of all time. Like, okay. In terms of celebrity status, I it's Wayne Gretzky and then Joey Moss in this town. Yeah, everyone knows who the guy is. Oh yeah, and like he's been here, like forever. You know, like he's. Like, everyone who's ever played for, for the Oilers, they know the guy. And they love the guy. And, yeah, you, you want to know how much Joey Moss meant to this city? Um, just look at Twitter. Yeah. The day, the day he passed away. Read, um, read Sam Gagne's write-up on it. Uh, I haven't yet. S- Sam Gagne to. wrote in the Players' Tribune, basically every person that's played for the Oilers in the last 30 years yeah. went on Twitter and just talked about what what a great guy he was um and obviously for me it's a little different because I ne- I never actually met him but just just as a fan of of the Oilers and the Eskimos every game on TV you'd see him in the national anthem a, lo- a lot of my fondest hockey memories are associated with with Joey Moss and mm-hmm. and seeing him on TV and seeing him seeing him belt the anthem right like in, in in 2006, when the tradition started of the Oilers fans singing the anthem before the game, yeah, right. If if you were watching the game on the TV while you were hearing eighteen thousand fans belt out the greatest rendition of the national anthem this country has ever heard, mm-hmm. while you're listening to that, you see on TV Joey Moss. Belting it louder than anyone else in the rink. Yeah. Lead, leading the choir. Um, the choir of like 17,000 people every time. Yeah. And, and I, I've been listening to, you know, the, the stories that have been coming out and that uh, former players have been sharing and, and coaching staff and met, and equipment staff and... The more I hear about him, the more I wish I would have been able to meet him. Yeah, you know, I I've never heard anyone say a bad thing about about Joy Moss, and it, it, it's incredible that you know I I I I never once looked at him, and the the thought never popped into my mind. Oh, there's a person with a disability. Mm-hmm. It just it never did. He was a fan. He was. First, he was a fan. 
Second, he was, from one from all accounts, one of the best locker room staff in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And again, just a quality dude. The the stories, you know, he 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 was an entertainer. Um, he was a guy that, you know, wasn't. A, a, he had no fear. Yeah. Right. I I was listening to a story. I believe it was Walking Gage on on great podcast. Two guys and a goalie. Go check them out. But Walking Gage, uh, former goalie for the Edmonton Oilers, was telling a story that when WWE was in town here in Edmonton, mm-hmm. Joey Moss went up to The Undertaker, who is a scary looking dude. <laughs> And started talking smack to him. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then there's another story. I can't remember the, for the life of me the names, but there was an Oilers player who was married to a Bond girl. That does not narrow it down even a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, no, like an actress that was in one of the James Bond movies. Oh, nice. Bond girl. Oh, I heard blonde girl. I'm oh, like, that's most of them. Okay, yeah. Um... <laughs> But Gage and I, I, I don't mean to totally hijack Walking Gage's stories. I just I want to share them if you haven't heard them. Um, but Gage said that that was the only time Joey Moss ever ever uh, slacked off from his job was because he was chatting up this this actress who was in a James Bond movie, <laughs> right? <laughs> but. I just, yeah, what what he meant to this city and and especially uh, its sports teams and I what I find I I find fascinating the story of how how he uh, became part of the Oilers locker room staff. Yeah, it's it, have you heard this story? I, it's I a don't really know it. cool story. So, what happened was Joey Moss's sister mm-hmm. this is what i read this was from the edmonton journal joey moss's sister was dating wayne gretzky bro <laughs> okay first of all actually i did know that much that yeah okay and then wayne gretzky met joey mm-hmm. and the two became fast friends yeah and wayne gretzky who in addition to being the greatest hockey player, and one of the greatest athletes to ever live was also a great dude. Mm-hmm. And Wayne Gretzky recommended Joey Moss to join the Oilers equipment staff. Nice. And, yeah, the two were, they were best friends. Which I think is just, it's a cool story. Yeah. I, I love that story. It just, it makes me happy. <laughs> um but yeah like do you have a a a Joey Moss memory kind of engraved in your head like when i say the name Joey Moss do you have a the an- um, it's the anthem every single time well, i watch yeah, hockey like that's, that's what it is for me i haven't i haven't like gone like seeking like other stories or anything yet but like that's that's my primary memory is like you're like the anthem starts. You're like just waiting. You're like, okay, like how, how what lines are gonna pan over to join watch this game? You know? Yeah, you're you're waiting for because you know it's coming. Oh yeah, 
You know, the camera's eventually going to get on him in his in his seat, yeah, right behind the Oilers bench. <laughs> um, when um that game against Anaheim in the playoffs, when the mic stopped working on Brett Kissel and all the fans just sung, yeah, instead like. I think they had Moss on TV for like a third of that. Yeah. Um, for me, the first hockey game I ever went to, yeah. the first live hockey game. I was six. I, I was three years old. It was 2005. Jeez. My mom took me to the Joey Moss Cup. Nice. Um, and I remember two things vividly from that game. The first was... I can't remember anything at all. is very impressive. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the first thing I remember is the goal horn freaking me out. <laughs> ah! What is that? Because it was so loud. Are we under attack? Um, yeah, shout out to my mom for, uh, for dealing with that. <laughs> uh, and then the second thing I remember is Joey Moss dropping the ceremonial puck drop. Mm-hmm. And... But just the fact that the Oilers inner squad game is, is the Joey Moss Cup is another testament to just how much he meant to this organization. We'll see how that petition goes for the downtown ring to be renamed too. Well, there's so many. So well, many. L- let's talk about that. If, if if you could pick, you know, how how do you honor this this man? This may be like a bit of a bit obscure. But I I want a statue of him like in his seat. Okay, I don't yeah, want yeah, that yeah. to do to anyone else. You know, I, I I want like a statue of him like in his seat. Well, I I was thinking, um, or out by Wayne, like whatever. But I think in his seat would be really yeah. Special. You're you're kind of combining two different common suggestions into What's one, which I like because yeah, this is my own original idea. They're like I haven't heard anyone j- else just yet. based on what I've heard, right? Yeah. Some people. You know, statue. Some people want to do something with his seat. Um, I, I would be in favor of. I, I don't know of a statue in his seat per se, but maybe yeah, it's a bit. It sounds a bit obscure. I like think something, something along those lines. I think either there's two ideas that I like. One is just leaving the seat empty. That's that'd be powerful. Or, like I think. Or the other thing you could do is every home game. Uh, you you give the ticket to someone living with a disability. Yeah, which I think would also be very powerful. Yeah, really, either of those things. Um, even even if you leave the seat empty for like the first season. Yeah. Um. But eventually, like, yeah, I think leaving it empty is like that's that's huge. I I I think it would. That would be cool. Yeah. And if the others did that, I would applaud it. A statue. I, I like the idea of a statue. A, a s- banner? A s- yes. A ba- I think a Joey ba- Moss deserves a banner. We got some banners to raise. Got Kevin Lowe for the Hall of Fame. I think a Joey Moss and a Colby Cave banner somewhere in the arena as well. Well, because like, there's... A memorial banner. Well, there's a few reasons why Joey Moss should have a banner, but... Rod Phillips has a banner. Who? Rod Phillips, Oilers play-by-play guy. Oh gosh, yes. For, I'm like, come that on, name man. Is familiar, but what did he do? His his number three thousand five hundred and forty-two. Or <laughs> there's no way that's right. Hang on. Yeah, but right, it's it doesn't just have to be players, right? No, exactly. 
Like, what did I say? 3,542? I think something. Oh my from... god. How I... close were you? No, I was right. Were you really? Yeah. Just memory did not... I don't know if that's exactly what you said, but it sounds close enough. Well, I think it's because every time I go to Roger's place, <clears throat> I look up at the banners, right? Yeah. And I know all the other numbers. Yeah. Because it's just part of the franchise's lore. Yeah. Right? But the banners aren't just for players. It's for... Yeah. People who shaped the organization. And that announced Rod Phillips is like, that's the example of that. Like, it's not a part of the Doesn't club. Glenn Zayler have a banner? Oh, yeah. And it has like just five cups on yeah, it. Yeah, five cups. <laughs> right? Yeah. Joey Moss with five cups. We'll do it. Right? I I think banner is where you start. I, I absolutely agree. That's the absolute bare minimum. Name the downtown arena. Name a street. I like, just I just referenced a a, f- a previous Yake Sports episode. What'd you say? I said bare minimum. <laughs> oh, nice. yes. Um. So a banner for sure. Um. A street named after Joey yeah. Moss. We have Wayne Gretzky Drive. We have Mark Messier. We have Manning Trail. Drive for Brandon Manning. I'm kidding. That's not who it's for. <laughs> uh, I we talked about this a little bit, but I think a a statue next to Wayne Gretzky's statue mm-hmm. would be really cool. Yeah, but just a statue in general. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm I don't know that one. I'm kind of less of a fan of just because I I don't know. Is it just me? Is a statue like? Less powerful than than naming something after someone, right? Because a statue's a statue. Yeah. I, I, I like I the know. budget's higher, but like I feel like it's not. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know why I feel that way. I just think a statue is. Maybe because I feel a statue is kind of the easy way to go. I guess. Uh, I mean, a banner is the easiest way, but like we said, the banner is, like, that's an automatic, I think. The other thing, I think, the banner is the first thing. This should be the second thing. Downtown community rink? Yeah, no name yet. There's no, like, name attached to it. No, that is the name, the downtown community rink. My point, exactly. Uh, Joey Moss Arena, do that tomorrow. Yeah, literally. Like, Don Iverson City Council, we know you listen to this. Yeah. Joey Moss Arena, you're welcome. Just kidding. I didn't. I did not come up with that idea, but that's what they should do. And I, anything else? That, yeah, there's no name attached to that place at all. the The Billy Moore Cup is hosted in it, but that's what's the Billy Moore Cup? It's the Prospects Tournament. I've been. To, I went to it uh, in 2018 when oh, Bouchard and Yamamoto cool. were there. Cool. Among others, uh, I got one more way the Oilers can honor him. Mm-hmm. This is, I think, the best way. Patch on the jerseys? Actually, that'd be... I th- they'll definitely... Either a patch or a sticker on the helmet. Yeah, like, Colby Cave had a hel- that helmet yeah. sticker. The um, I wasn't going to say that. I think this is the best way to honor him. Hmm. Win the cup. Huh. Yeah, I know. I think the Oilers win the cup for Joey. That sounds good. I. That's the best way to honor him. <laughs> Yeah. It's to win is to play for him and play the whole season for him and and have him in your thoughts as 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 you go out on the ice and, and you win the whole damn thing. Agreed. 
that's that's it. That's yeah. the tweet. <laughs> Win the cup. Um, if if you listening to this podcast want to honor Joey Moss, uh, there is a way you can do that. The Winifred Stewart Association uh, is a charity that helps people with disabilities. Um, helps them to find employment and opportunities and all that. They've set up a. This was an organization that Joey Moss was was heavily involved with. Uh, they've set up a Joey Moss Memorial Fund. You can go donate. Um, there, the the website is winifredstewart.com. So far, as of one p.m. today, they've raised twenty eight thousand two hundred dollars for people living with disabilities. Uh, so yeah. That's another way you can honor the the, the great the great Joey Moss. Um, I today's episode just makes me sad. I mean, we got some World Series way later, but I, um, our next thing is even worse. I uh man. Okay, so I wrote up a whole bunch of notes. So I'm just gonna because there is there will be some people that listen to this. Mm-hmm. Maybe. It is the off-season. That, that's it. That's the sentence. <laughs> um, there will be some people that listen to this that have not heard this story. And if you're a sports fan, you have to hear this story. Uh, it's too important to sweep under the rug. Um, so, yeah, let's just let, let's bring you up to speed. So, uh, the Arizona Coyotes lost their first three draft picks. They, they traded. They traded. Okay, one away. And it's lost two. It's traded two away. What happened? They traded. They lost two picks and traded one. But then they traded one of the picks that they later lost. So they lost next year's. So this year they lost two and trade one through forfeit. But next year their first is also I think gone. They they traded their first. They traded their they traded their first their third and they lost next year's first and their second in twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, and now they're fourth. So so okay. All you need to know is that by some combination of trading picks away and cheating in terms of scouting. Yeah. Their highest the, pick was their fourth round pick. The Coyotes did not have a first, third, first, second, or third overall pick. Their first, or sorry, round pick. Yeah. Their first pick in the draft was in the fourth round, 111th overall. With that selection, they took a player by the name of Mitchell Miller, who is a defenseman. I don't actually know. Freshman from the University of North Dakota. <sighs> what I'm about to read out is not something that broke after the Coyotes drafted him. This was all public knowledge. Yep. This was reported by multiple newspapers before, long before the draft even happened. In fact, he addressed it to all the organizations. And... And Which we'll, is gonna be part of your story. We'll get here. to that. Like, yeah, it was it was known. So, Mitchell Miller, while he was in the eighth grade in uh, just outside of Toledo, Ohio, my U.S. geography is not up to stuff. I bet I'm willing to bet money. There's multiple Toledos. Toledo is a city in Ohio. A west is on the western tip of Lake Erie. There you go. So he's going to high school or I guess junior high in Toledo. Mitchell Miller. Abused a black developmentally disabled classmate uh, named Isaiah Meyer Crothers. 
Um, and not this isn't alleged. No. This this isn't rumor. This is something that Mitchell Miller admitted to in court. Yep. And it wasn't like a one-time thing. This is a this is for in the entirety of middle school. I so w- one example of something Miller admitted to. Uh, he tricked his classmate Isaiah into licking a candy push pop that he had soaked in a urinal in the boys' bathroom. Isaiah had to be tested for hepatitis, HIV, and STDs. The test came up negative, thankfully. Miller repeatedly referred to Isaiah as a, quote, brownie, and repeatedly used the N-word towards him. Uh, this use of, of language was confirmed to the police by other students at the school. Um, Isaiah said in a phone interview that Miller, quote, pretended to be my friend. Uh, Miller is currently a freshman at the University of North Dakota. He wrote a letter to all 31 NHL teams prior to the draft saying that he had, quote, extreme regret. And he also included former coaches and his USHL billet family as character references. Um, coaches, mm-hmm. that's a sorry excuse for a character reference because this is rooted in hockey culture and coaches are generally, I don't want to say responsible, but they do not take an active role in preventing this kind of behavior. Also, this happened at school. If you're like doing hockey outside of school... Like, that coach isn't going to know about the issues, even. And uh, his billet family, well... Yeah. Of course they're going to defend him, right? Uh, Something also of note, the Arizona Coyotes, the team that drafted Mitchell Miller, have put themselves at the forefront of diversity issues in hockey. Alex Maruto was the first Latino owner of an NHL team. The Coyotes promoted that. Mm-hmm. Xavier Gutierrez was the first Latino CEO in the NHL. The Coyotes promoted that, said, hey, look at us. Look at how diverse we are. Mm-hmm. Xavier Gutierrez is also a member of the NHL's Executive Inclusion Council. And despite all of that, They drafted a player who, for over six years, that long, abused a black classmate. The Coyotes said that they knew of Miller's past, which they should have. Yeah, if you if you if you didn't, that's some awful scouting. Teams do their due diligence; they do background checks on all these players. It's just like any other job, right? Mm -hmm. Background checks are a part of the process. The Coyotes knew all this, and in their original statement, they said they wanted to help Mitchell become a leader in the fight against racism. So this abuse, uh, according to Isaiah, dated back to the second grade. Oh my gosh. 
And if if your first thought is, well, he was in second grade, like what? Come on, they're just kids. Um, feel free to reach out on me in social media. I will be more than happy to tell you what kids in elementary school are capable of. Also, like, just being kids is, like, I never see that as a good I'm excuse. I'm sorry, that's not an excuse. I never not, see that as a good not excuse. Not for this. Absolutely. Like, this, like, maybe there's a slight excuse, and, like, I'm in educational psychology, right, right now in school, and, like, there could be an excuse for, like, punching someone in the shoulder for not sharing a chocolate bar. Not the grade two level. Not for punching someone in the shoulder every day, for because, all weeks of the year, for in second grade, and for another five years. Yeah, for reasons related to race and developmental abilities. That's just, at no point is that excusable or understandable or, like, even forgiven. Okay, so I, I got a couple more things here that I think are important. Um, the University of North Dakota also took the same approach as the Coyotes. Mm-hmm. Again, they knew about this. Because all of this, the the uh, the abuse... The racism, the bullying, all of this was reported on at the time that it happened. Yes. While he was in eighth grade. Yes. And the University of North Dakota athletics program said, hey, we want this guy on our team. So let's not let's not let them off the hook, too. Mm-hmm. We mentioned that he wrote before the draft, he wrote a letter all 31 NHL teams saying that you know he was remorseful and he had changed and he had volunteered with with uh um children with with disabilities and he had done community service and he had gone to therapy for me the most disgusting part of this whole ordeal Mitchell Miller never apologized to Isaiah I I heard that he apologized to 31 NHL teams, he apologized to the police, he apologized to, you know, the, the state lawyers. of Ohio. Yeah, like... Never once apologized to Isaiah, to his mother. It never happened. Which, if you're a decent human being, should piss you the hell off. Like, people do, like... This is not justified, but, like, t- something of a lesser extent than this... You do something wrong, and you recognize that. An apology happens usually pretty quick, does it not? For anything, no matter the severity. Like, that's kind of how it goes. And something of this severity, and for this long... Like, this kid's 18. It's been 16 years since this started. How do you not find an apology in 16 years? That's a long time. Even the most superficial of apologies just... You know, a letter or a message on social media. Nothing. Like how? Nothing. Not a thing. This is the statement from Isaiah's mother. Um, this was after the Coyotes drafted him. Hello, I'm the mother of the boy that Mitchell Miller bullied. I read the statements made by the GM, uh, Bill Armstrong, yeah. and find them demeaning to our son. Are you aware Mitchell never apologized to our son? Are you aware two years ago he still taunted him? Are you aware this went on for years? Do you understand the mental damage Mitchell did to our son? 
I respect you stating he sent all the NHL teams an apology, but wouldn't make it. But wouldn't it make sense if he was truly remorseful to send a letter to the kid that he brutally bullied both mentally and physically? Is it a surprise he sent all the NHL teams a letter because this was for his betterment? I guess as an That's exactly or- it. It's for his benefit. I guess as an organization and NHL team, I would expect so much more and hold them to a higher standard, especially with all the Black Lives Matter movement. As much as we pray Mitchell will eventually see the damage he did to our son, we have seen no remorse. The other gentleman had a sincere apology to our son and our son forgave him. So for context, it was Mitchell and another student at the high or at the junior high. Mm-hmm. Um, back to the statement, the magistrate said it best Mitchell. So this was the judge. This is what the judge said in, in juvenile court to Mitchell Miller. Mitchell, I don't think you are remorseful for what you did more than you are upset for the negative attention you are getting word. Again, the bully incident that continued over years has damaged our son mentally significantly and your organization is more concerned about Mitchell and your hockey success. In my opinion, that is being part of the problem. There is a victim out there that was and still at the hands of your 111th pick. Like, like Arizona is absolutely part of the problem here. Like, here's the thing. Um, I heard from, I don't, I forget what the source was, but like, um, if you, if there was absolute, if this guy had a totally clean past, he's a late second round pick at worst. He was, he's a solid hockey player. Like, and so based on, based on the fact that his skill would land him like a second round pick, that means that like every other team passed on him at least once. And Arizona was the franchise that, that picked him. Like that's, that's a failure on their part as well. So when a team goes into a draft, um, they they make lists of yeah. players, mm-hmm. right? And one of these lists that they make is a is a do not draft list. Absolutely. And you know you might not want to draft a player for a variety of reasons. Brian Burke didn't want to draft Neil Yakupov because he had the worst draft interview ever. Yeah. Right. That's the kind of thing that would get you on a do not draft list, and any. I don't buy that Arizona was the only team that was willing to take him. No, I don't think so. I bet there was someone else who was willing to take him. From what I read in The Athletic, which is where I'm getting the majority of this information from, there were only 10 teams that put him on their new not draft list. Yikes. Now, that's not to say that there were 21 teams that would have taken him. Yeah. But there were only 10 teams that looked at all this and didn't say, I'm not touching this kid with a 10-foot pole. Mm -hmm. And, like, the thing is, like, um, I'm a little bit surprised that it, like, was a team that didn't have a first, second, or third. Like, hypothetically... This was their first pick in the the draft. draft. Yeah, and hypothetically, like... Let's say you're like a rebuilding team and you had like eight picks in the first three rounds. Maybe you gamble one of them on a, on a do not draft player. Like just in general, maybe, right? But like, see, and 
But what really bothers me about, like, what Arizona has done specifically is the fact that, like, it was their first pick of the draft. It was in the fourth round. And they looked at this guy, and they, they knew about the past, and they're like, but if we ignore all of that, we can get a second-round pick in the fourth round and better our organization. We can get a steal of a draft pick based on being good at hockey. Which, like, yeah, but what about real life? I don't... I don't care if it was the seventh round, two hundred and one eleventh overall, the last pick of the draft. Yeah, you cannot draft. I agree. A, a a man what who has done this and you know uh, <sighs> there's going to be people that will say, oh, you know, it's just kids and this is in the past and normally. I like mistakes happen. In a lot of cases, I'd agree with you. But this was four years ago. Wasn't it in the report? It was said that there was taunting two years ago. Are you telling me that at sixteen years old, you're still not moved on from that? Okay, or and on earth, and, and I can, I can see defending someone for at that age. You know, telling a joke that was maybe in bad taste. Yeah. Or, you know, doing something stupid. Well, not at this age, but doing something stupid while they were drunk. Or, you know, making one bad mistake. Yeah. This is a con- this is continuous for 14 years. What? I... Or, sorry, 14, that's not correct, but... Six years. I was going to say seven, but yeah, still way too long. I, and now this, this poor kid, like, let me tell you, when, when this kind of thing happens, it doesn't always ruin your life, mm-hmm. but it, it changes you. It, it takes something from you. Um, and Thank God that Isaiah Meyer Carruthers is is still with us, mm-hmm. right? Because there there's there is too many cases where this kind of thing, not not nearly to this extent, where it's just it's too much, mm-hmm. and and the person has to resort to 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 harming themselves or. It's it completely despicable. And I don't care if, if you're the general manager of a general manager of a of a national hockey league franchise or a manager at McDonald's. You have to Like I'm not saying he doesn't deserve a second chance. I'm saying there is no remorse here. Yeah. And until there is remorse, he does not deserve that second chance. Mm-hmm. Right? It's it's one thing if if this happened and like if this happened for say like a year or two in your early childhood and, then and he, you've been trying to make up for it ever since. Yeah. Okay. Like, like and, you know, good. And, and but like you know, someone might bring up, well, he's been volunteering and Yeah, to get drafted. Yeah. To make himself look good. Mm-hmm. 
And, oh, man. This, I mean, this, this is not an isolated incident. No, no. You're out of your mind if you don't think this kind of thing, maybe not to the same extent, but this same kind of thing isn't happening in arenas, you know, in, in Sherwood Park or St. Albert or Leduc or any town you want to name. Yeah. There is a serious issue with hockey culture. And anyone is, that is involved in the game of hockey right now at at the minor, at the junior, at the college level, who isn't, you know, a player or maybe a coach yeah. who can kind of step back and look at the big picture, there is a serious problem with hockey culture. How many how many hockey players do we go to high school with? We went to high school with a ton. What percentage of them would you say are total assholes? I don't I don't want to paint them as a group necessarily cuz as individuals they're all way better than they are in a group. What percentage? But in a group? It's not 100%, but it's a lot. Yeah. In in a group especially with with their with their cohorts like I'd say any school you can relate to that. I can to name I can name probably two hockey players like high level hockey players that we went to high school with yeah. that I would consider to be decent human beings. Mm-hmm. And both of them are, are doing pretty well. Hell, one of them just got drafted by the Canadians. Yeah. Right? The other one's in the AJ. Still drafted in, in into the WHL, yeah. like it's the nice guys. The good people. It's it's there's a serious fundamental problem with hockey culture. It's not even just in hockey, just like within within sports. No, but it, it's worse in hockey. I it at least it seems like that. Um and you know, I I referee, I I'm in I'm involved with the game, I and I see it. It's and I don't, I don't know what it is about hockey, but it just, it, more so than some of the other sports. And it happens, in, like, I look at football as another sport where it tends to bring out the worst in people. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there is a serious, serious issue, and, and there needs to be a, a zero-tolerance approach for this kind of thing from... The, the coaches need to start holding people to account. The the associations have to start holding people to account. And really, the players have to hold each other to account. Yeah. Right? And, like, last week we talked, like, with Nels. Before any of this even came out. Like, not, not came out. Before this stuff became, like... A big, thing. Yeah, before it became a thing. Like, we talked more g- generally about this type of thing. And, like, exactly. And then this coming out right after. It's like... <sighs> yikes. I yeah. Well, the latest news on it, the, the Coyotes have renounced their pick. Yeah. Um, which I'm convinced that they only did because of the backlash. Well, of course, or else you would never take them. Like you're not gonna if you don't have a first, second, or how third, long ago was the draft? Not long. It's like what two weeks? I don't. Yeah, two, three, three. It was two episodes ago, I think. Perhaps. Yeah. We'll say two to three weeks. I think it was three. But yeah. Okay, three weeks. You're telling me in three weeks they they had a, a revelation. 
You how long have you you been scouting the guy for? Longer than three weeks. Yeah, it it took it. If you don't have your first, second, it, or it third, t- it took you three, four years to figure out. Hey, I want I we should draft this kid, and only three weeks to be like, oh, we screwed up. And I think like give me a break. You're not if you don't have your first, second, or third. You're not going to take your first pick of the draft in the fourth round with the intention of throwing it away. This is because of the freaking backlash. And if if you read the statement from the Coyotes, it's it it leaves out it, a lot of the worst stuff. Well, and it it confirm. I feel like it confirms our suspicions that it was a response to the PR nightmare Absolutely. they were facing. And um, like, it's not even just picking on Arizona. Whichever team drafted this player, would have. It would have been a disaster for them. Would have been the same thing, but it's e- it's even worse that it's Arizona. Exactly because they did, they are they, they already got they had, they had they forfeited already two picks. No, it's worse that it's Arizona because they've used the fact that they're quote unquote at the forefront of racial issues. They've used that as a marketing tool. They've used that to promote Basically, themselves. Th- there's several reasons why Arizona is the worst teams could happen. It, it's to. the utter hypocrisy. That that's happening here. They they you know they hire the first Latino uh, CEO. They have the first Latino owner of a team, right? They have an executive that's sitting on a diversity council. Yeah, and then you turn around and you do this. It's it's hypocrisy. That's all yeah. it is. It's hypocrisy and it's stupid. Mm-hmm. And. Who is their fifth round selection? And, that's your best guy now. A- anyone in in. In the draft, okay, so Bill Armstrong wasn't a part of the draft. That was part of his condition of being hired as the new GM. Yeah, he was going to step in the, after the draft. The draft was run by their head of amateur scouting, I believe. Yep. Um, everyone in that room who didn't say, hey, you know, we should think twice about drafting this kid. Yeah. Anyone who did not say that. Should not only be fired, but should never be allowed to work in hockey ever again as long as they shall live. Mm-hmm. It's it's a whole nother level. Not just stupid, but I'm like just you, wrong. There's a chance that like just not everyone a decent, in the room knew. Just like well, if they didn't know, then they didn't do their due diligence, and they should be fired for that. Mm-hmm. And they did. They did know. They knew. Everyone knew. Because it was sent to the teams. They got a lot. So, yeah. Don't even tell me that they didn't know. Because they knew. So, it's it's a moo point. Like, every, maybe not every individual knew the extent. But every team was told that there's, there's, some, there's some sus here. And let's not deal with it. Let's, let's avoid that guy. So, I want to read the every statement. Every team should have known. I want to read the statement from the Coyotes. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes announced today that the club has renounced the rights to Mitchell Miller. Miller was selected by the Coyotes in the fourth round, 111th overall of the 2020 NHL draft. We have decided to announce the rights to Mitchell Miller effective immediately, said Coyotes president and CEO Xavier Gutierrez. Prior to selecting Mitchell in the NHL draft, we were aware that a bullying incident took place in 2016. There you go. So they knew. A bullying incident. No, it was a, a constant state of abuse. Let's call it what it was. It wasn't bullying. They, it call, was, they called it A, as in bracket one bracket. Yes. Bullying incident. Not prolonged intentional continuous abuse. Interesting. Well, well said, Ryan. Interesting. 
We do not condone this type of behavior. We just draft you if you do it. Okay, they didn't say that last part, but uh, but embrace this. This part is what gets me. Uh, we embrace this as a teachable moment to work with Mitchell to make him accountable for his actions and provide him with an opportunity to be a leader on anti on anti bullying and anti racism racism efforts. So now they're not only promoting themselves as a leader in racial issues, they're now saying. If you're racist, we can fix you. Because oh. we're so good at being not racist. That's Bold. what that's what they're saying. It And like, you're only we're, barely being facetious. That's, we're, that's we're, exactly... We're not just the, the least racist. We are the best at getting rid of racism. That's what they're saying if you... Just paraphrase it slightly sarcastically. We're the anti-racism factory. Yeah. Good work. <sighs> what is this organization? What we learned... Uh, oh, hang on. Where was that? Here we go. We have learned more about the entire matter. Bullshit. And more importantly, the impact it has had on Isaiah and the Meyer Crothers family. No, you already knew. What we learned does not align with our core values and vision for our organization and leads to our decision to renounce our draft rights. On behalf of the Arizona Coyotes ownership and our entire organization, we would like to apologize to Isaiah and the Meyer Crothers family. Bonus point for Arizona because they apologized to Isaiah before Mitchell Miller did. Whoa. We are building a model franchise. See, look, they go and they say this. We are building a model franchise on and off the ice and we'll do the right thing for Isaiah and the Meyer Crothers family, our fans and our par- partners. So even after all this happens, they're still clip-clopping along on their high horse. Yeah. It's... <sighs> even after this whole thing... What, is it a spider? Yep. Oh. I wasn't going to keep recording let him get out of sight and then lose him. So, <laughs> take care of the spider right now. Sorry to the spider. So, even after this whole incident where they clearly screwed up. Yeah. They're patting something in the back for fixing it. They're, they're still self-anointing as the chosen one. They're like... They're like, look at how good we are at noticing our mistakes. Look at how good we are at fixing this mess we created. With knowledge that it was so, the mess. Okay, I want to make a point here. While renouncing the rights was the correct decision mm-hmm. in the moment, yeah. the Arizona Coyotes do not deserve any credit whatsoever for renouncing these rights. This is a PR move. So if you're if you're applauding, if you're a keyboard warrior on Twitter saying, Wow, look at the Arizona Coyotes. No! <laughs> this whole thing should have never happened. Can you imagine how traumatizing it was for Isaiah to see that Mitchell Miller got drafted to the NHL, that he was going to live his childhood dream. Yeah. Like, can you imagine the, just the emotional trauma that would cause him it's after everything else? What I, the worst thing about the statement is that they use the word learned. What we've learned about it, like doesn't align with our views. Okay. There's one of two things. Either you always knew and did it anyways or you realistically did maybe just learn the extent of this horror, which means you didn't do enough looking into it beforehand. Either way, there's tons of fault in the organization, which, like, 
the, the big point here is about the people involved. It's not about the organization. But like, no, I think I think it's about the organization very much. It's, they, not, it's not close to the most important thing here. They, but like, no, it's but they still need, huge. They need to take a serious look in the mirror and figure out what the hell they're doing. Exactly. That's why it's an important like side topic okay. of this. That that was the second worst part of this article. Mm-hmm. You were partially correct. It's bad, but it's only the second worst thing about this. After article. the at no, the end. No, I I I'm gonna read you the worst part of this article. Mr. Miller is now a free agent and can pursue his dream of becoming an NHL player elsewhere. You didn't even read that part beforehand. Were Were you saving that? Yeah. Well, heck. My question... Okay, Ethan, I I don't want to scare anyone here. What if someone signs him? Ah. Like... What if someone signs the guy now? He's a free agent. I doubt anyone's touching him. But, like, what if someone does? Can you put your trust in all 30 organizations? I, I, honestly, I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't trust that the other 30, 31 soon organizations aren't going to touch this kid. He's a free agent. Like, that'd be the worst if he didn't get signed by someone yet. It's because he's a good hockey player, and we've never denied that. Yeah. Our he, point is, that like, should be irrelevant. Like, he he would have been, like, controversy all aside, he would have been mid-second to late-second. I heard that from, like, one or two sources. Yeah. I wish I remember what they were. Um, but, yeah. So, good hockey player. For me, this sentence, it's the last sentence... It's about halfway through the statement. Um, no, he should not be able to pursue his dream of becoming an NHL player. That's that's the that's the whole point of this. If if the organization, like to me, you know what that 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 is the worst part, and here is why. Here's why I think that's the worst part. They are essentially they are saying yes but we wish him well on his career if you think that he still deserves a career then that means to me that you don't understand and that means that the only reason you're doing this is for the pr you are getting this off of your hands and you don't see enough of a problem to maybe not say go have a good career elsewhere you're you're simply washing your hands of the issue and ignoring it that's exactly it that's all it is it is Arizona doing, like, you're you're just taking yourself out of the narrative and letting the narrative continue. What are you doing? You're not helping. You're just making it so that no one's mad at you anymore. Which is, is it working right now? No. You know what's even worse? Hmm. You could take that statement out of the state. You could take that sentence out of the statement. And it still sucks. <laughs> you wouldn't even have to replace it with anything. It's like, it's not like you have to write at the end of your statement, no one touch this kid. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm well, just saying it, maybe leave this part out. You take, and it, then it's still, a, you, it's still a bad statement. You take but. that sentence out and you get the, you still get the message across. Exactly. It's a bad message, but you still get it across. It's unnecessary. That's something that was like added just to like make sure you're not angering the... What's his name? Miller? Yeah. Like what? Hello? I... 
Earth to Arizona. I... The whole point of this is you shouldn't be able to pursue your dream when you've, I don't want to say ruined, but drastically changed someone's life for the worse. And have shown no remorse yet. And not a single shred of remorse. Like, that's the, you, that's the worst part for Miller's case. The whole point of this whole conversation that we're having is that being good at hockey does not excuse being a bad person. That's what we're trying to get across. That's, you know, we're... I... Like it be it would be different. It wouldn't we wouldn't be as hard on him if the if the if Miller has like been trying to make up for this, has shown remorse, has like apologized to the at, at apologized all. to the kid he <sighs> like, did this to. Oh and God. this is this is a heinous, despicable thing that he did. And not things. Not thing thi- not yes. incident. Mm-hmm. The I I just I feel for Isaiah having to watch all of this and and then oh, and then he can terrible and he can still get signed somewhere else and I honestly don't trust because everyone. he's free to pursue his dream. Yeah, that's such a bad. Why would you put that in? I, I like I'm not saying this is a purely hypothetical, mm-hmm. but if if the Oilers. I'm not saying that the Oilers would. Because I, I trust the Oilers to be... Yeah. Okay. We, we had a pick right before this. Like and the, right after this. Like we, and the Oilers were like the most racially diverse team in the NHL last year. Like them in New Jersey. I mean, from Grant Fear to Dujar Kara, like... Yeah. Yeah, we're I think, good. I think the Oilers, obviously they could do better. And they should be doing better. Everyone can be doing better. Because it's, it's a league problem. It's a sport problem. Yep. Um, but... I don't, I don't see any scenario in which the Oilers are knocking on the, the door of Mitchell Mel. First of all, they can't afford him. Yeah. Um. But beside that, the Oilers wouldn't do this. But if the Oilers were to sign Mitchell Miller, I could not support them anymore. We got that would yeah. There would be some serious question to do there. Right, and if you're, I'm. I'm not. I'm not gonna. You know get on my soapbox and preach or and tell you how to be a fan because I, I hate when people do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you... I don't know how you be a fan of the Arizona Coyotes right now. And insert joke of them having no fans. Finish his joke. Chuckles. It's even worse. Like, this is why. This is what you got... Like... I, I, we didn't even, I, I, we didn't even I, talk about like the whole it, why they lost their other picks, like, and well, that like, that pales in comparison to this. Exactly, the, the point is it's gotten worse. And what what is I'm so confused. What is happening right now? What is this organization doing? Like I just like John again, John got out there at the right time. Oh man, I don't even want to touch that. Uh, me personally, as a fan, if. I, I I could I could not bring myself to a team to support a team that would do this, mm-hmm. and then wash their hands of it 
just for their own good. They're, they're, no, they're no better than the kid. This guy, like, they're, they're trying to just, like, better their image. Or, like, at the very least, stop worsening their image. And then they're like, yeah, I know, we're erasing ourselves from the narrative, but we're going to let it continue. Yeah, you're no help. If I'm the NHL and I see something like this happen, one of my teams, mm-hmm. I am stepping in. And I think I didn't know about this until after the draft. Yeah. I just, it never, the algorithm never mm-hmm. presented it to me. But if I'm the NHL before the draft, I'm saying, I, you can still say it right now, you are not welcome in our league. Yeah. Because the teams aren't going to do it. No. We've, that's been shown. And again, it'd be so much different if there was any apology at all. But like, yeah. And I, like, I, I think as, as a league, you can step in and like, like the teams aren't going to, but like, as like, if like the league steps in and like, is says to the player, like, yo, like we don't, this directly contradicts our values as people and as a league and as an organization. And you are not welcome here based on your actions and then lack of rehabilitation I, I, I think actions. You should say that again and emphasize your actions, what you've done, yeah, what you have shown, and what you failed to do to help what, anything. What character you have demonstrated? Because yeah. this isn't anybody's fault but Mitchell Miller. Exactly. Yeah. I mean. Perhaps there's other kids that were part of the bullying as well. But that's not what the story is even about. None of them got drafted. None of them were directly like mentioned by the family, except for that was one of their individual mentioned, but like there was. I'm sure that's just like Miller's friend who was just like Yeah. Who didn't it was. You just like, was scared to step in, you know? Bystander is like a thing that happens all the time. No, 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 no. The the other person that we mentioned was taking part in this. Okay. He was, uh, um, uh, what's the word? Cohort? Sure. That means something else now in the COVID days, but yeah, like that's but the definition the of that original, word. Yeah. Yeah. The definition of that word applies here. I just, and yep. I hope cause we've, I don't think we've seen a situation like this. Not that I can. Think of no, I in can't. in any sport. Yeah, and if there was even before our time on this earth, I'm sure we would have heard about it. I hope to God that we never have to talk about this again. Yeah, that would be. That I would hope be. just for once people learn their lesson. And this, I hope especially this is a lesson for guys playing bantam midget hockey. I yeah, I think that's like. Who That's you know have prospects of a career in in this great game of ours? Mm-hmm. This Being, should, this should change everybody. It this should. Sh- th- this I'm should, not convinced that it will. Maybe not change, but like this should be. This should ring a parent it, it to should, everyone. It should open some eyes. Like I'm talking the league, the organization, everyone who wants to be in this league someday, everyone who is, everyone who has been. Every single person involved in the game of hockey, whether you're a player, an executive, a coach, a ref, a fan, 
everyone involved in the game of hockey should be taking a look at themselves in the mirror right now and be saying, how do I make sure that this kind of thing never happens again? And how do I make sure that we don't reward this kind of behavior? We don't incentivize it. And like, even if you want to take on, be like, like, like the minimum you do, like we're not, we're, I'm not saying you go and like seek out every case of bullying and try to fix it. No, but Just, if you see if, some, if, if, you, like, you better, you better be doing something about the it. The minimum is if you just yourself don't like the absolute minimum we're asking that I think people like just make sure you're not part of the problem. And I think if everyone can do that, then the problem will slowly like be eliminated. If everyone just checks themselves, that's, that's your first step. Yep. And help those who have not checked themselves to do so. Yeah. That pretty much sums it up. Word. Um, yeah, I just, God, I just feel awful that this can happen in, you know, a league that I, that I spend money on, right? That I buy the jerseys, I watch the games on TV, yeah. I go to the games, I, Whenever that's I tweet about the teams, Yeah, you know, I follow the players, like, I just, I, I love the NHL, I love hockey, and when something like this happens... I not cool. It's not yeah, it doesn't make me feel great. Yeah, again, hopefully we never ever 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 have to talk about this again because I'm sure Isaiah's hearing people talk about it and it's probably not bringing up great feelings. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, no one sign him. Yeah. Because oh my gosh. Um, let's move on. I want to talk about the World Series because it's my podcast and I want to talk about baseball. (laughs) Uh, So, Ryan, you didn't watch any of the World Series. I was not able to. Because school. Yes. I get it. I get it. Holy crap. I have been keeping up with the news and the highlights, though. What a great series. Um... Yeah, in case you missed it, Dodgers won uh, four games to two. Yep. Their first World Series championship since 1988. But I I don't... Everyone was talking, oh, Dodgers World Series drought. Well, the Rays have never won a World Series, so... Yeah, this is drought. Shut up. (laughs) Um, Few standout moments I want... Well, three... Are they all Mookie Betts related? Three and a half moments. I want to talk about key moments in the series. I'll try to keep it brief. I got my notebook. I got some stats. Uh, so first one I want to talk about: Game Four, best World Series game I've ever watched. Damn. Yeah. For yeah. Now. May- maybe maybe Rangers Cardinals. That that one was pretty good. But the ending was classic. The whole game was back and forth. Yeah. Um. But I, I don't think I've had less to say at the end of a ball game. Um, but we'll get to that. So game four, I was just going to flash forward to the, the bottom of the ninth. You know, the whole, the whole rest of the game was awesome, but I want to keep this short. So, okay, let's see. 
I can't remember who the first Ray to get on base was. But then Randy Rosarena walked, I believe, to get on first. So now the Rays have two runners on, two outs, I believe. Brett Phillips comes to the plate. Brett Phillips hasn't had an at-bat at this point in 17 days. <laughs> he hasn't seen a pitch in over two weeks. Oh. He was not on the Rays roster for the NLCS, or the ALCS. Mm-hmm. So he didn't play for a whole series. Yikes. <laughs> and now he's pinch hitting. <laughs> That's what's so nice about baseball. Holy you know? crap. That's the best thing about baseball. Just like, this guy has to go now. Like, <laughs> um, oh, wow. So what does he do? Dumps a single into right field. Oh. Because of course he does. Yeah, why not? <laughs> so the runner that was on second scores easily. Yeah. He's a speedy boy. Randy Rosarena, he's coming around second. He's going to third. Chris Taylor, the Dodgers center fielder, comes in to play the ball. He sees the runner going from second to third. Mm-hmm. And he thinks, I got a shot to get this guy. He's That's the, the winning run going to third base. Right? I got to try to get him out. Game's already tied. Because the first run scored. I got to try <laughs> to throw this guy out. And while he's thinking that, whoops, the ball pops out of his glove. And now he's got to go chase no. it. No! <laughs> it, it doesn't go very far from him, which is a good thing. And then he goes and he gets the ball. And at this point, a Rosarina is probably two-thirds of the way to the third base. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, he's going to get to third, but he's not going anywhere else. Of course. The third base coach says, screw that, I'm sending him. <laughs> One of the worst sends I've ever... Like, with two outs, okay, I get... I kind of... It makes it a little better. Yeah. But a Rosarina didn't stand a chance unless an act of God happened. <laughs> which Divine intervention. We'll get to the act of God in a moment. <laughs> Frick so, third, third base coach sends a Rosarina. Says, you're scoring. Yeah. Taylor picks up the ball. Oh, crap, they're sending the runner. <laughs> Throws it home. Meanwhile, okay, meanwhile in all of this, Kenley Jansen, the Dodgers' closing pitcher, he's just kind of standing there. Yeah. When, in this situation, your job as a pitcher is to back up the throw to the plate. Mm-hmm. In case, I don't know, the catcher catches it, but then it pops out of his glove, and he slides for the tag, but he realizes the rudder isn't there yet because he fell down. Halfway between third and home, after a horrible send by the third base coach. Isn't the best part of this how fast it happens in real time? (laughs) Okay, so Arosarena falls halfway between third and home. He literally just trips. He just falls down. This I did see. He falls down. And, oh, he's toast. It's it's like freaking Three Stooges. It's happening so fast. It's God, I love baseball. I, John Boy on YouTube, go go oh, watch his video. I saw it on my sub feed. I he, haven't watched it, he, but I need to. He called it bad baseball and beautiful baseball. <laughs> it was like a work of, it was a work of art, but specifically Jackson Pollock, and that the fact it was just a bunch of crap splattered around. Uh, <laughs> so Rosarina falls down between third and home. Taylor's God is man. He's he's abs like. Throws coming in to, uh, oh, shoot, it wasn't Will Smith catching. It was the other, Austin Barnes? Will, Will Smith, Smith. I I believe it was Austin Barnes. Let me know if I'm wrong. So, while all this is happening, so I'm going to rewind a little bit. 
Brett Phillips hit the ball and dropped his bat, right? Yeah. Wills, or Austin Barnes, the catcher, is kind of moving around home plate, right? Because he's the field general. He's got to give out orders. He's got to let the guys know where to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. He steps on Brett Phillips' bat oh. and he slips. Oh. Right? He doesn't fall down or anything. He just kind of does a whoop. It's literally a circus. Right? On the bat. Like, the bat. Because normally what happens in that situation, guy hits a base hit, the umpire comes in, picks up the bat, and he, yeah. and he clears it. Yeah. But for whatever reason, he just didn't. Because this needs to be a circus. And so, I think that's what the divine intervention is. And so, in the ump- not moving the bat. Flash forward back to when Rosarena, again, fell down. Between third and home. Yeah. Throw comes in. Great. Oh, shoot. No, no, no. Okay. Throw comes in from uh, Chris Taylor. Max Muncy, the first baseman, is the cutoff man. He catches the ball. He's about to throw a strike to home plate and nail a Rosarina. Except when he turns and he throws, he realizes, oh, crap. A Rosarina isn't coming. Yeah. I can slow down He's a little busy. bit. <laughs> I, I don't have to rush this throw. But then what happens, instead of throwing as hard as he can, his whole body just slows right down. Yeah. And what happens is... Which is some solid reaction time. His mechanics. What happens, any pitcher will tell you this. If you try to throw slower, your mechanics are just gone. Mm -hmm. Because your body's used to throwing hard. Yeah. Right? So what happens is his body just flies open. And then the... He he hooks the ball. So so instead of throwing it right at Austin Barnes' chest, he throws it... To his right, and he has to reach to throw it. Oh boy! And then what happens is, Austin Barnes. He so Muncy saw that a Rosarena fell down. Mm-hmm. Austin Barnes did not. So he's he's still thinking a Rosarena is coming in. I gotta get this tag down quick. So he does he does the kind of spin move where he catches the wall and goes down on his knees and slides. Yeah. To make the tag as quick as it possible. It was pretty cool. I did see this. To make the tag as quick as possible. Well, well, good moves. Two things happen. One, there's no runner, so he just kind of spins all the way around. <laughs> and two... He's dancing, man. Two, the second thing, probably the more important thing, ball not in glove. He's just dancing. The he, ball spurts out of... And he's dancing. Some people's theory is that he, his mind was kind of messed up because he stepped on the bat. Yeah. Which makes sense. That would kind of rattle you a little bit. Mm-hmm. But he still, he has to catch that ball. <laughs> Out of his glove, he makes the tag where there's no runner and no baseball. The two things you need for a tag. <laughs> <laughs> well said. <laughs> a Rosarina is still on the ground. But then he gets up. And, and now he's running and... and and he sees the ball come in. He's like, oh, crap, I better go back. But then the ball isn't there. And he runs home. And this whole time, my only thought, the only thing I'm saying is, what? <laughs> what? What? And this- ask, I was watching this game with my grandpa. And yeah. ask him. I, I'm just, what? Call up Ehor. Be like, yeah, can, I, can we get a, an account what? on this? What? It happened so freaking fast. Oh. Everything I just described happened in like twenty seconds. Yeah. Oh my god! It was unbelievable. Can I watch that John Boy video. <laughs> and I brought up Kaylee Jackson because because he wasn't covering the throw from the plate, mm. he couldn't, you know, go get the ball and get it to parts. Because I think 
if he was covering the throw, the Dodgers still would have had a chance of getting him. Because Rosarena yeah. was far away, and he started running back. It's it's not it's not a lock, but there's definitely a better chance. He started running back, which is the big thing, right? Yeah. Because he saw that, you know, the third base coach made a horrible decision to send him, mm-hmm. but it worked. You know what? Uh, gotta be lucky to be good, right? Yep. Um, <laughs> and good to be. Brett lucky. Phillips after the game, after saying to his teammates, "I can't breathe about ten times." <laughs> Just because his heart rate was probably like 240. Yeah. Um, in his interview after the game, he said, man, baseball is fun. <laughs> and that pretty much summed up that game, which brings us to game five. Dodgers win this game in part because we had a runner try to steal home in a World Series. Hot ziggity. Channeling his inner Jackie Robinson. Um, so Manuel Margot, wow. he walks. Clayton Kershaw walks him, and then he steals second, which is pretty cool. But while he's stealing second, okay, catcher throws to uh, who was the shortstop or no, the second baseman, Kike. I forget. Second baseman forgets that he's supposed to catch the ball. Yeah, it happens. Uh, <laughs> and so the ball goes off his glove and kind of towards right field. Mm-hmm. Margot gets up from his slide, looks. Second baseman is already at the baseball, about 20 feet from the base. So it's not that far. Margot's like, I can make it to third. And he just gets to third. Like, it was a close play. But he gets to third on the stolen base and the E4. So now, runner on third, nobody out. And I forgot to look this up before... Before the episode. Okay. So if you have a runner on third. Oh, shoot. That's not what I want. Here we go. This is the one I want. Runner on third with nobody out. Your chances of scoring at least one run in that inning is 84.3%. Pretty good, right? Yeah. Mathematically confident numbers. Remember that number. 84 point something. Your average runs per inning when you have a runner on third, uh, nobody out, is over one per inning. Of course. So just remember that. 84 point something more than one. Next batter, walks. Uh, Hunter Renfro, I think that was. Mm -hmm. Walk walk doesn't help him in this situation because it doesn't score the run. So now first and third, nobody out. Next batter, pop out to the shortstop. Okay, now there's one out. Next batter, strikes out on three pitches. Mm-hmm. On three, like, not very good pitches. Whoops. Uh, so now there's a runner on third with two outs. Okay, your chance of scoring a run with a runner on third with two outs goes from 84.3% to 25.7%. That's quite a bit lower. Yeah, it's a big drop. <laughs> The next batter was Kevin Kiermeyer, the Rays' nine-hole hitter, in the postseason batting 254. So you got to think, his chances of getting, because now you need a base hit, right? Yeah. You can't score him with a fly ball. You can't score him with a ground out. You must get a base hit. Yeah. He needs to move. And you got the whole ballpark's already thinking, ah, oh, geez, there's, you know, he's not, 
he's not going to get a base hit here. Mm -hmm. So Manny Margot thinks of this. And Margot's a pretty fast guy. He just stole second. So he's thinking, well, geez, maybe maybe I should take this into my own hands. So he says, oh, I'm going to steal home. Right? Because this wasn't a play from the dugout. This wasn't Kevin Cash saying, Manny, steal home. Yeah. This was clearly Manny Margot saying, oh, hello. I wonder what would happen if I try to steal home. <laughs> now, a lot of times in baseball, when you're making decisions, there's a checklist you run through. Yeah. And basically what you're doing is you're saying, okay, here's the situation. Is now a good time to do this? Mm-hmm. And for whether it's stealing or bunting or playing hit and run or, or intentional walk, there's certain situations where you want to do it and certain situations where you want to avoid it. Okay, stealing home. First of all, there's two outs. I, I just brought up the fact that your chances of scoring a run are not very high. Okay, so that's a check. Number two, you have a left-handed pitcher on the mound. Why that matters is because with a right-handed pitcher, when he comes into a set position, he's facing third base. When you have a left-handed pitcher on the mound, he's facing first base, and he has his back to you. Mm -hmm. So that means he can't see you when you take off. He can't see how big of a lead. He can can check, right? But he, he can't. Keep a focused eye on you as you take your lead. Third thing, the third baseman, Justin Turner, was playing way off the bank, mm-hmm. which makes sense with two outs. Not a lot Not a lot of guys are going to try to bunch for a base hit with a runner on third and two outs. Mm-hmm. So Justin Turner's playing far back. When you're a base runner on third base, your leadoff is generally the same distance as the third baseman is from the bank. Also, you mentioned Ju- Justin Turner. That's... We're going to talk about that's, that that's later. That's mildly amusing. We're going to talk about that later. Okay. Is there anything else I'm missing? Oh, interesting thing about Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw has a, a quirk. Mm-hmm. When he comes set, and he's, he's famous for doing this. When he comes set, first thing he does, he puts his hands up, up here, and he <laughs> takes his sweet time bringing them down here. It looks epic. Okay. That's just what he does. <laughs> You know how much ground can cover, or you know how much ground Manuel Margot can cover in the time he's bringing his hands down like this? How much? Well, quite a bit, as we saw. (laughs) So, you know, obviously it doesn't look great because he was out. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I love it. If there's ever a situation to steal home in a pivotal game of a World Series. That's it. That's when you do it. And the other thing. If the Rays have one weakness, it's their bats. Their pitching was great. Pitching's the best part of that team. Their defense I mean, was great all year. They don't have, like, star batters. It's a couple of no, star guys. No, they don't. That's the one advantage the Dodgers had over them in this series. Star batters. So if, if the shoe was on the other foot and it was a Dodgers player at third base, I'd be, I'd be questioning the move because yeah. they have the advantage with the bats. But because it's the Rays and because they have to find ways to manufacture runs, yeah. I love the decision. And Margot, first of all, wasn't out by much. Yeah. It was a very close play. Two, Clayton Kershaw made a hell of a play to get him out. 
generally, when you're stealing home, obviously, if you're stealing home, you want to, you know, be safe at home. But yeah. really, Don't the more the more likely option is that you're going to get the pitcher to balk. Because mm-hmm. what'll happen is, you know. You, you don't see a lot of guys trying to steal home, right? So then the p- pitcher freaks out and he won't step off or he'll come out of his set or he'll do something. Something that throws him off. And the umpire will just award you home plate. Yeah. That didn't happen. Max Muncy, who was the first baseman, was watching the, the runner at third. As soon as he went, he's screaming at Kershaw, step off! <laughs> right? And Kershaw... I'm, I know a lot of pitchers that would totally freak out. Just took his back foot off the rubber. And now once you do that, the pitcher becomes an infielder. So he can do whatever he wants. Exactly. Right? When he's on the rubber and he comes set, he has to pitch or pick off. And at lefty throwing a third, to pick off, you have to step off the rubber anyways. Right? So he just, he calmly steps off, fires a strike to the catcher, and the catcher puts a tag down. Clayton Kershaw isn't getting enough credit for that play that he made to save a run. That, that was a clearly a run without him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I love I love that decision. I know a lot of people aren't fans of the decision, and I get it because he was out. It is a risky move. Uh, of course it's a risk. You're gonna, stealing home for yeah, Christ's sake. People like, are going to be like, don't take risks. But, like, come on. Come on, man. Like, you... Not only is it smart from the point of you have a slight disadvantage at bat, it's like, that was cool. <laughs> Could you believe imagine if it was safe, though? Oh, my gosh. But like, believe in yourself. Because the, the race, the, he would have been the tying run. Yeah. He would have tied the game. This could have changed the whole the whole thing. Dude, if he's safe, the Rays win that series. The world like, series. Well, Yes. <laughs> In case you got it confused with the other series that was happening, but like that's right how now. big of a stage this is. I and I, when you when you get that deep into October, every single play is magnified. Mm-hmm. So, and I'll tell you what, that takes some serious cojones to <laughs> to to try to steal home in the World Series without being like told to, just like on your own, being like, "Yeah, we're gonna go for it." We gonna do this. I mean, <laughs> let's go. One of the most famous plays in World Series history is Jackie Robinson stealing, of course, stealing home against against the Yankees. Now Yogi Berra, till the day he died, said that Robinson was out, <laughs> but umpire called him safe. So, thank you. Okay, so I love that decision. Now let's talk about a decision I hate. Pitching. Ah, <laughs> man. Okay, so before I get into because all this it, right here is just stats. Yeah. The pitching, I, I like, I have not seen anything from this game. I've only heard about it on Twitter. You've heard about it, right? Oh, yeah. So, like, I don't know what the, what the situation was. I just know everyone's mad about so, it. So, many moons ago, back <laughs> in the start of October. That was, like, half a moon a, ago. A, a ragtag group of guys <laughs> called the Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> Made it to the f- their first playoffs since 2016. And they played the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm having flashbacks to us talking about this at this very table. And in, in, this very in game one, game one, I think. It was absolutely game he, one. He, oh, yeah, because game two, we got killed, right? Okay, <laughs> game one. Guy by the name of Matt Shoemaker was on the bump for the Blue Jays. And he threw like three innings on f- like 40 pitches. 
while making shoes or something you know one hit i wish i had a stat line because yeah uh listen back to that episode not a lot of hits (laughs) he was pitching well yeah charlie montoya pulled him out of the game anyways adaptability (laughs) the next pitcher gives up a leadoff double and the race scored off of him like immediately and the Jays ended up losing the game. Maybe not because of that decision, but it certainly helped the Rays. The manager in the other dugout was a guy by the name of Kevin Cash. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Cash saw this. He saw this decision. He saw how it helped his team. And then he wrote it down in a notebook and said, try this later. <laughs> and so he saw what happened when you make a decision like this, when you pull yeah. a pitcher too early. Mm-hmm. He saw this. You lose for the Rays. Saw that it didn't work. <laughs> and then a month later in the World Series, I feel like whenever we say the World Series, we've got to say the World Series. 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 Echo, echo, echo. And what does he do? He doesn't say, oh, geez, this didn't work against us, so it might not work this time. He did the exact same thing. (laughs) So we're going to have the exact same conversation again that we had about Matt Shoemaker, but now it's going to be about Blake Snell. (laughs) So it's going to feel like deja vu all over again. Adaptability is a big part of the sport. Done. Okay, I got my stats. Here we go. So, this one was a little bit different because it was already the the uh, the sixth inning this happened. I think it was the sixth inning. Okay, this stat's wrong. 73 pitches through five and a third. That's pretty good. Yeah. Right? That's not a lot of pitches. Um, so, actually, no. Before I do the stats, there's something else I want to get off my chest. So... This has been framed as an analytics are good versus analytics are bad debate. Absolutely. Okay, you have the one side, the analytics are bad debate, saying, oh, see, this is what happens when you listen to analytics and you let the computer run your team, right? This should not be an analytics debate because, as I will demonstrate, the analytics say you should have left Snell in. This was not analytics. This was just stupid. That's a good quote. <laughs> okay. This was <laughs> the, the numbers all say you should have left Snell in. So when you say, oh, this is what happens when you listen to analytics, you are giving Kevin Cash an excuse. Yeah. You are letting him off the hook. Instead of being mad at Kevin Cash, now you're mad at computers. You're being mad at the wrong thing. You need to be mad at Kevin Cash. Don't be mad at the computers. They didn't. Okay. So let, we're let, trying let's, to help. Go into, let's go into some numbers. So first thing, 73 pitches through five and a third innings. Okay. So the reason why this is an analytics debate is because of the, um, the phenomenon where when a pitcher faces the lineup for the third time in a game, mm-hmm. all the numbers go up. Their batting average, their on base, their slugging, their OPS, all the numbers go up. The hitters hit better. Yeah. When which makes sense. Right? You've seen a pitcher twice now, and you come in, you've seen what his pitches look like, how they break, what speed they're coming in. 
you're a little more comfortable in the box. Right? It makes sense. And it's true for most pitchers. Most. You know who it's not true for? Who? Blake Snell. Well, let's look at these stats with Ethan Beduza. So, Blake Snell, from the second time through the order to the third time through the order, the opponent's batting average drops by three points. <laughs> their on-base percentage drops by 46 points. And their slugging percentage drops by 18 points. Mm-hmm. So they hit worse. And you might say, oh, it's a short season, small sample size. 2019. Okay. The batting average went up 15 points, third time through the order. Mm-hmm. The on-base went up 46 points, third time through the order. But the slugging went down 61 points, third time through. So the overall on-base plus slugging went down third time through the order. Hmm. So he was giving up, he was giving up more hits. But less extra base hits. All right. Which is what you really want to avoid. Yeah, those are the worst. Okay. So this year especially, third time through the order, Blake Snell pitches better. So right there, that argument, out the window. <laughs> and Kev- Kevin Cash is, loves that. He, he never lets his pitchers face. But Blake Snell pitches better third time through the order. Mm-hmm. So bang, that argument's gone. Mookie Betts was good player. Was the next batter. Oh boy! So he he was the leadoff batter for the Dodgers. He was hitting. He he was scheduled to hit. He's the so yeah. the nine hitter just got out. Or yeah. no, he the nine hitter got on, and now it was Mookie Betts. So in his third at bat versus the same pitcher in the same game, compared to his second time through the order, mm-hmm. batting average dropped twenty six points. His on base dropped 57 points. His slugging dropped 124 points. Yo. So he went from, that'd be the equivalent of going from, say, four total bases per at-bat. Or no, sorry, one one hit every four at-bats to one hit every five at-bats. Mm-hmm. And you might say, oh, short season, small sample size. This is last season, is it not now? No, that was 2020. Okay. You might say small sample size. Yeah, but last season. 2019. <laughs> this is where it really gets bad. Batting average dropped 109 points. Well, On base dropped 76 points. Slugging dropped 138 points. Mookie Betts hits worse when he's facing the same pitcher for the third time. That's analytics. What happened yeah. in the game was not analytics. This is analytics. This right here is analytics, boys. This is it. Um, other thing to note, uh, Nick Anderson was the guy they put in. Mm-hmm. He had given up at least one run in each of his last six starts. How's that for analytics? Wow. Nick Anderson, great pitcher in the regular season. Probably one of the best relievers in the league. Sucked in the playoffs. <laughs> Kevin Cash brings him in. What happens? Bets it's a double. Uh, wild pitch scores the tying run. And then RBI single gives the Dodgers the lead. So 
So the <laughs> the decision that was a horrible decision in the first place blew up in Kevin Cash's face, obviously. Yes, as as decisions that are not good uh, do. A couple more stats I want to give you here. Uh, so I saw some people say the argument that Snell never really pitched deep in the games this year. He mm-hmm. just didn't get his arm stretched out, which would make sense. So he was at 73 pitches, right? Yeah. Um, so he threw, Snell made 17 starts this year, regular season plus playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know how many times he threw at least 70 pitches out of 17? Like 14. Exactly 14. Good nice. guess. 14 out of his 17 starts, he threw 70 or more pitches. Nice. The other three were his first three starts of the season. <laughs> So 14 starts in a row. 14 straight starts going into this game. He's thrown 70 or more pitches. Wow. Those other three were literally in July and early August. Wow. And then I haven't even talked about the non-analytic reasons why he leaves now into that game. Yeah, because baseball adaptability and he's on a roll. it, It boils down to one thing for me, okay? Let's say you're a hitter. You Okay, another stat, the top of the order. Dodgers' top three hitters were uh, 0 for 6 against Snell. Mm-hmm. They, those three hitters had not gotten a hit off of Snell yet in this game. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, also Mookie Betts, uh, 531 OPS against lefties, which Blake Snell is a lefty, uh, versus righties. It's 1.061. Nick Anderson is a right-handed pitcher. Mm-hmm. And in this series, Mookie Betts was 0 for 4 against Blake Snell with a walk. So everything you've told me tells me that if I'm manager man... Those were all analytics. Yeah. Every, like, that alone, I'm leaving him in. Okay. So now you ask me, now if I'm manager man... Now there's not analytics side. Okay, you're a batter. Yeah. You're 0 for 3 against this pitcher. What's your first reaction when he comes out of the game? Oh, thank God I don't have to face him again. Yeah. It gives you a morale boost. It gives you some more confidence. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it's when a pitcher's dealing, you don't take him out. You just don't. Because that, that is the best way to give your opponents a boost. Yeah. Is to take out a guy that's they're, dealing. They're sitting there. They're dreading having to go out there and bat against this guy's balls. And they're like, and all of a sudden it's like, phew. They like relax for a second. It's like, we yeah. have to face that guy. Yeah. You're, like, don't give him anything. You got to win a baseball game. So, uh, again, what happened in game six? I believe we're on six. Yeah. What happened in game six was not analytics. <laughs> it was just. Stupid. Stop giving Kevin Cash an excuse. Hashtag not Alanix, just stupid. Stot. Stot. (laughs) Stats. Don't be mad at analytics. It's not. Okay. And also, there's a really good uh, point brought up by uh, Dan. Oh, geez, I can't pronounce his name. Simborski. Yeah. He's a baseball writer. He brought up a really good point. The whole analytics debate. Analytics have already won. Mm-hmm. Okay, the least analytic front offices in baseball right now, Suck. like looking at the Royals, mm-hmm. 
they would have been they still would have been on the cutting edge in 1995. Yeah. In 1995 they would have been one of the most forward thinking front offices. So, analytics have won. Mm-hmm. Analytics are not the problem. It's there's two problems with analytics. One is trying to plan baseball games. Yeah. No, that's the, that's the that's a big one. Which is what we saw with the Blue Jays. Yep. Against the Rays. We're following the plan. The second you problem, follow the game. The second problem is when people say they're listening to analytics but don't actually look at the analytics. <laughs> which is what Kevin Cash did. It's like I'm just going to make a ballsy move and I'm going to say it's analytics. It's like instead instead it's like the whole vaccination thing. Mm-hmm. Like here's <laughs> 900 studies that say vaccinations are good and you should get your flu shot get your flu shot by the way <laughs> and here's one study that was disproven 20 times written in like 1980 that says vaccinations might cause autism analytics baby and then, and then people are like oh yeah I'm, I'm gonna listen to this one <laughs> right I just gave you I wrote a whole page of notes of just stats yeah. That said, Blake Snell should have stayed in the game. And Kevin Cash listened to the one stat that wasn't even true for his pitcher, just pitchers generally. Yeah, like, pitchers generally, sure. But this specific situation, that's the opposite like, of, numbers of a good are idea. Great. I love numbers. Base, base, that's one of the things I love about baseball is there's just so many stats. Mm-hmm. But you're, you're listening to the wrong stats. <laughs> right? You got to know which stats you got to listen to. Like, yes, it's true for every other pitcher in the league, but not for him. Yeah. And that just that that just takes like five more minutes of reading. <laughs> anyway, that's my analytics rant for today. <laughs> Anything else on the World Series? Um, Mookie Betts, still second best player in the league. Oh, yeah. We, we haven't even got into the... The, the, you know, the thing. The thing, yes, correct. Um, yeah, he's still second. Okay, Ryan, anytime anyone brings up who the best player in baseball is, what's the one common denominator? It's the Mike common Trout. denominator is you're comparing, I'd say in any sport, I can compare this to the McKinnon-McDavid thing. In every situation, yeah. it's you're comparing the best player to someone with recency bias. Every, I think it's the same. We have the best player in baseball debate every year. Yeah. It happens every and year. And it's Trout versus it's, someone who's it, it, recently it, relevant. It, I feel like it's more than any other sport. Because it doesn't happen in hockey this much. No. But in baseball, it's, you know, this year it's, it's who's better, Betts or Trout? Last year it was who's better, Yelich or Trout? Yeah. Bellinger or Trout? Seeger or Trout? The mm-hmm. one common denominator is Mike Trout. Yeah, and also, Mike Trout is not only the best player of his generation. Mike Trout is the best baseball player that ever played. I'm convinced he's he's the best. Yeah, there has never been a player in baseball that has had the five tools. Mike Trout is one of the fastest players in the game. He's one of the best contact hitters in the game. He's constantly near the top of the home run leaderboards. Mm-hmm. He's one of the best defenders in the game at a premium position. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, he's got a stellar arm, too. 
He's just got it all. Except for, like, playoff success. Well, because his team sucks. The, yeah, the Angels can't build a winning team around him. Yep. And so people, individuals who have more team success, who are not as good at him, are getting compared to him now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Mike Trout's the the best to ever play the game. And one, once his career is over, like, it's not even going to be close. Yeah. Like, what he's done in his career doesn't compare to a lot of players. But, uh, Mike Trout is 29 years old. He's pretty young. He's got some years left. He's got 10 more years left than him. Mm-hmm. Okay, you want to do trivia? Alrighty. Let's do trivia. Before we get to trivia, we're going to need our segue into trivia. I um, thought I just did the segue. <laughs> no, no. Northland's Coliseum is being demolished. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's time. It, I, yeah. It's, it's, it's move on time. It's, it's become, like, it, like, it's become the world's biggest paperweight. Yeah. They don't use it for anything, right? Yeah. And I love that building. It's, I, it's, it's a building. <laughs> it's it's a it's not a very nice building. It's just historic, but like yeah. So Gonna miss the building. Today's trivia is today's trivia theme uh, with the demolition of the old arena on the horizon. Let's look back at the lifeline of Rexall Place slash Northlands Coliseum slash Col- the Coliseum slash Edmonton Coliseum slash Ice Coliseum slash the Skyreach Center. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, before we get started, yeah, tweet us. Let us know what your favorite memory at Northlands Coliseum is, because I love I love reading people's memories <laughs> about things and places. And Ryan, yeah. what's your favorite memory at Northlands? Um, ooh, I've been to quite a few games there. Yep. Um, honestly. It's gonna feel weird to me saying it was a it was like a six two loss to the St Louis Blues, but that was my first time there. Okay, my first live hockey game. Yeah, other than like my dad and like Mundera, I think. But like my first like in in a huge arena, like nachos. You know, like we lost to the Blues like six to two, but like it was. I'm like, yo, this is cool. Like I like this. I don't even know when it was, but like, yeah, it was my first game. So your first game in Northlands, cool. Um, I just it was a it was a type of place I haven't, I hadn't been before. Well, yeah, there's nothing like it. Right? Yeah, um, I have two. One's one of the first games I watched at Northlands, mm-hmm. and the other one is, I believe the last game I watched at 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 Rexall. Well, I guess it was Rexall both times. Uh, game six against Detroit in '06. Alex Hemsky's scoring the late goal. Ooh. That's probably the loudest place I've ever been in. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is Ryan Smith's last game. Uh, yeah, I felt I, I didn't. I didn't get to go to that. I but... felt honored to be mm-hmm. at that game, and I cried a lot, a lot, a lot. <laughs> Again, he was my first favorite player, and he still is my favorite player ever. Mm-hmm. So. Anyways, let's do the trivia on Northlands Coliseum. Alrighty. Do do I have a score to beat or I don't even? It's I don't know. Okay, let's just do it. It completely like because reasons and stuff and 
Let's just have and this nails. Nails. Let's just let's just have this set the new high score. Okay. So okay. Like, no, no. Yeah. Let's just have it go from here. Let's do it. So it's 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 tricky, but I think it's fair. Okay. All right. Question number one. The only question is just about the building in general. Um, what is the fan capacity of the building? You have to be within one thousand. Huge margin of error because it is question one. Uh. Okay, I have a question about your question. Yep. Is it when it opened or when it closed or like when? Um, that's a great question. Because it was it, a capacity listed on the Wikipedia for the building. Okay. Uh, so I believe that's public. That's updated as of last time it was used. I bet. Uh, seventeen thousand. It's seventeen thousand something. That is close enough. What What is it? Sixteen eight ninety three. Okay. So yeah. Basically, that's fine. That's fine. Yep. One for one. Let's go. Your lifeline is going to tell you that what, what, what Roger's place is. Um, Which is 18,500. 18,641. That's B. I just Googled this a couple days ago. I was Well, I guess they added 141 seats yesterday. <laughs> Freaking Google. Okay, question two. Alrighty. The Coliseum was host to one NHL draft. Name any player taken in that draft. Damn it. I can't just say the year. Well... You made me figure uh, out based on that. Can I can I say a player from the year before? Was I, that at Northland's Coliseum? No, but I know what year it was. It was what, a, what it year was, was it? It was in ninety five. Correct. I don't know anyone drafted in ninety five. Mm, unfortunate. <laughs> Smith was drafted in ninety four. Correct. Shit. Ah. Uh, the Oilers picked sixth this this year. But, like, it's anyone drafted in this draft. So, you know what? I'm just going to say a name, and I'm going to be wrong. Like, who's approximately that age? Like <laughs> Alexander Daigie? Daig? Daigle was 93. Ah. Yeah, I just said Daigle. Shout out to Jesse. Yeah. That one I just had memorized. Player First overall was Brian Burrard. That's tricky to get. Oilers took Steve Kelly. Who? Exactly. Notable players, um, Shane Dome. George yeah. the Rock, Jerome Ginla, Sergei Fedorov. Oh, yeah. Shoot. Okay, but like I knew what year it was. Can yeah. I get like No, because that was your lifeline, actually, if you wanted it. Well that's <laughs> Boo. Because there's not there's a chance you didn't know that ahead of time. Which, see, for like if it was me, I wouldn't have known the year ahead of time, but if I got the year, I would have told you Barrar. So You know what? I want all my fans on Twitter to back me up in this. I deserve... That's a dumb question. The question should have just been what year it was. (laughs) I I feel like you could know one player from that year. (laughs) But one for two... And I did. I just couldn't remember any of them. (laughs) Alrighty. We're one for two. Going on to question three. These... The next two questions are similar and half points are going to be a thing. So, um... Who scored the final goal, the final oh, NHL goal at Rexall Place? Yeah. And against which team? So who scored the final goal? I hate you. And against I which team? I hate you. <laughs> uh, shoot. Nugent? No. My re- <laughs> You're just making noises and looking for my facial reaction. <laughs> exactly. It was either Nugent Maroon or Everly or... Any one of like I mean, this, 40 isn't, this isn't your players. hint, but Maroon was the first goal at Rogers. Okay, uh, Nugent Hopkins scored the last goal at Rexall Place. Is that correct? I'm. I guess it is half point, so I can tell you that half. It's right? not correct, is it? It's not correct. Dang it! Uh 
It was so against, it was against the Vancouver Canucks. That is correct. You're 1.5 for three. Who was it? Dreisaitl. I have brought shame. <laughs> this is what I thought you'd get. I thought we knew this. Upon this house. I, I, for, in my head, it's Nuge. <sighs> wow. I'm sorry, Leon. I don't even know if he scored <laughs> in that game. You know, you know what? It was almost Taylor Hall. Drysdale scored like right after that. It was, it, it was almost Taylor Hall. <laughs> okay, next question. Alrighty. Who scored the first goal? Literally, who scored the first Oilers home goal at uh, Northwest? Do I have to say who it is against? Yes, that's the second uh, half of the okay. question. Who is against? It against? Uh, Chicago? Are you locking that part in? Yes. So you're not, you're not using your lifeline on this? On this? No. Okay. Chicago is incorrect. Dang it. Who was it? Detroit. Yeah, I never will got that. Uh, Kevin Lowe? Also, you're locking that in, yeah? No. Uh, no? Okay, because... Uh, get another guess for you. Gretz. Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky was in the second home game, his first goal. Dang it. So, incorrect. Glenn Anderson? No. Now I'm just saying names. Do you want to keep going? No, it's fine. Right winger, Blutter McDonald. See, I didn't know that, but I will never forget that because that's <laughs> such a... Obscure. Uh, yeah, I, know. I think I can't remember if the story is about Blair McDonald, but there's a cool story my 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 Gito told me, and mm-hmm. you know what? We should just make that segment on the show. Yeah, stories from Gito. <laughs> That'd um, be great. But he was telling me a story. I think it was Blair McDonald. His like the first season the Oilers were in the NHL '79. Blair McDonald scored like forty or fifty goals. Mm-hmm. Right, just had an absurd season. Yeah, and he it, he was a free agent that year, and he went into to go renegotiate his contract with Glenn Sather. Yeah, and he was asking for a, a bunch of money because he just scored fifty goals, right? Mm-hmm. And Glenn Sather essentially told him to shove it because a pile <laughs> a pylon could score fifty goals playing with Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, so yeah. That's oh. I. I'm pretty sure it was Blair McDonald. <laughs> okay, question five. Alrighty, the final question. It's the final question. Noodle meat meat move. Alrighty, how many Stanley Cups were awarded oh. at the Coliseum <laughs> slash Rexall place? Do you want your lifeline built in because it's the fifth question? Yeah. Okay, so this is a long lifeline. I'm giving you a bunch of information. Okay? Oh, God. You just have to do with it what you will. Should I take me- notes? I-, I can read them in times as you need me to. But um, here's a bunch of information to help you mathematically okay. figure out your your most likely answer. So it's a math question. Not, it, I mean, it's numbers. I'm asking you for a number. Okay, um, so here's all the information I'm going to give you as your lifeline. Okay. During the use of this arena, Edmonton was the home team in five cup finals and played in a total of seven. There was a total of 20 Stanley Cup final games played in this wait, arena. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. Sorry, sorry. Can you what? say the first part Kay. again? During the use of this arena, yep. Edmonton was the home team in five Cup final series. Okay. And they played in a total of seven. Oh, shoot. They did play in seven. That's right. Yeah, Cup okay. final series. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was a total of 20 Stanley Cup final games played in this arena. Edmonton won 15 of those games. That is your information... Jeez. Do with it what you will. Oh man. Okay. So uh, the first the first cup they won was in Edmonton. I know that. 
against the Islanders? 1980? I don't know. I just need a number. Uh, so it's I'll, at, I'll, it's I'll at least through one. This out the fifth one was not in Edmonton. The fifth one, they were the away team. They played the Bruins? I don't know. but that, Yeah, the Bruins... It was in 1990. I Bruins. know that because in the picture uh, where Wayne Ma- or Wayne <laughs> Mark Messier gets the cup, he's wearing his blue jersey. So they were the away team. Yep. So it's between one and four. Um, now because the, the other there was three seven total cup finals occurred with this building in use. Yeah, the first one was against the Islanders. That's the one we lost. Mm-hmm. And then the last one was was oh six. So uh, you're narrowing it down for yourself here. Yeah. So they won five cups. Yeah. First one was definitely at home. Second one was definitely or fourth, fifth one was definitely on the road. I think it's. I'm gonna say three. Final answer. Yes. Yeah. Act confident. Okay. I'm sorry. The answer is four. Nah. I figured there'd be one more of those, yeah. but no. So, wow, four if out of you five want, at If home. you want the information, the 1983 Cup lost, awarded in New York. 83, Eight, that's what it was. 84 yeah. and 85 were both awarded in Game 5 in Edmonton. Yep. 87 okay. was awarded in Edmonton in Game 7. So that's three. And then 88. This is the kicker. 88. Oh wait, wait. Was this the Bruins series where the where the yep. light, where the where lights the, went out? The game the the cup was awarded in Edmonton in the second half of Game Four post power failure in Boston. Wait, so, hang on. Say that again. <laughs> the fourth cup awarded at Rexall Place was awarded in Game Four against the Bruins, which normally which? would have been in Boston, but because of the power outage. The second half of that game was played back in Edmonton. So the Oilers completed the sweep, and the Cup was awarded no. in Edmonton in Game 4. Did they play the second half, or did they just replay the whole game? I thought they replayed the whole game. It was the replacement game. Yeah, but it was like it was Game 4, but it wasn't the fourth game. Yeah. They played, like, 1, 2, 3, and then they played 5 or something. Well, yeah, it was whack, because like, they played 1, 2 in Edmonton. Three, four were going to be in Boston. Three was in Boston. Actually, they I, played game. They played a chunk of game four in Boston. Power went out. They're like, we're just going to go back to Edmonton. And so they weren't. That game was not even supposed to be in Edmonton. Because I, I, I think that game went seven. Hmm? I, what I'm, game? Or that series went. No, that, was, that series, it was awarded in game four. No, That's, but the reason it was awarded in game four was because they moved game four. To the end of the series. So I think... Is it was, that... Because it was very confusing trying to figure this out. We're going like, <laughs> to... We're going to research this. Yeah. And but while you type that, the 1990 Cup, we won. It was awarded in Boston. And 06 Cup was awarded in, in Raleigh. Okay. So, so what year was that? 88. Yeah. Super interesting story. In the end, the Cup was awarded in Edmonton. But like how it ended up happening is a very long story. <laughs> Basically, guys scored goals in games that didn't even exist. Like, it's it's quite the story. The 80s. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Here's what happened. 
So, they played the first three games. Game four was in Boston. (laughs) They postponed the game because, because the lights went out. Yeah. They went back to Edmonton and played game five. Is that right? Before finishing game four. Their plan was to play the rest of game four after game seven. Yeah. If necessary. But in game five, the Oilers finished the sweep. So, yeah. They won the series 4 nothing in five games. That's right. And what oh, so weird. it produced this bar trivia question. I love this. This is awesome. In game four, Glenn Anderson set a playoff record for fastest goal to start a game in NHL playoffs history. Yep. In a game that doesn't even exist. In a game, so all the stats from that game counted, but because they never finished it, it didn't count towards the series. So, yeah, Glenn Anderson set an NHL record in a game that never happened, essentially. That's amazing. I which love is, that. I, I love that nugget. That's that one is. of my favorite trivia things ever. <laughs> what did I even get? One out of one and 1. a half. 1.5. I suck. I'm the worst at trivia. <laughs> okay, that's it for us this week. Uh, thanks for making it this far. Thanks for the listens. Um, Ryan, can we follow you on Twitter? We can. You absolutely can follow me on Twitter. And and, and where would we do that? Um, At Macney Ryan. You can follow me on Twitter at Bedusa Ethan. You can follow the uh, show on Twitter as well at YEG Sports Pod. Um, Ryan, you, you got anything on the TV this weekend? Oh gosh, is sports even still on? Like it feels like it's like the middle of the dead off season. I got I got Bundesliga Saturday morning. Yeah, actually, I'm on a group chat with some international university students, and they're all talking about soccer. I'm like, I actually know some of this stuff from talking to Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the whole of your soccer knowledge is just stuff I say. Pretty much, I don't. Like, <laughs> I've never been able to follow it myself. So, uh, yeah, I'm watching Bundesliga soccer, but. You know what else I'm watching? Mm-hmm. New season of The Mandalorian starting Woo! tomorrow, or I guess tonight, technically midnight, whatever. Uh, this is the way. <laughs> I love that show. I'm not. I promise I won't spoil it at all. Um, but such a good show. Every, everyone should watch that show. Uh, Ryan, anything you want to say to the folks at home? Um, rest in peace, Joey Moss. Yeah. Long live Northlands Coliseum. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Joey Moss, for everything you did. Um, yeah. There was something else I was going to say. Yeah, me too. I have third thing. I just totally blanked. <laughs> uh, but yeah, long live the, the memory of Joey Moss. Um, yeah, and sound that is a bust. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>